Okay, well, I can see that some of the commotion of motion is starting to uh, settle down a little bit. So let me get uh, some of the preliminaries out of the way. First of all, let me tell you how happy I am to be right here today, right now. Uh, very happy to be here with you all. And uh, we, Yoli and I, want to express our most uh, sincere gratitude for the both prayerful and material support we have received for the time we've been in Korea. I want you to know that each and uh, I, I don't know how to express it, but I, I want to tell you that um, let me just say it like this. Thank you. Thank you very much. And uh, the, the work that we're doing there, uh, it doesn't look anything like we thought it would. I want to tell you that. Sometimes, you know, in our mind, we imagine something the way it's going to unfold, and it unfolds in a completely different way. Isn't it amazing how God has his own ideas of how things should work? And how often they don't look anything like the ideas that we have. But, you know, ultimately, God is in control, isn't he? He's bringing about his desired end. And he does it in a magnificent way, and it's marvelous. And those of us who know the Lord Jesus, and I would trust that each and every one of you here today knows him, realizes that those who do not know him don't see his hand they don't see the way he moves they don't experience uh, what it is to realize that there is a living god who rules in the heavens and he rules on earth well anyways we're going to uh, take a look at daniel chapter 6 today and uh, I was very happy when I got an email from Jamel who said, Tim, would you be willing to take up the study that we're doing? Uh, it's Daniel chapter 6. And I really like that chapter. I don't know about you guys. Does anybody know anything about the Daniel chapter 6? Does it have anything to do with lions? Well, for me, you know, when we have a... a a short story like that, because that's really what it is. It's like a short story, isn't it? It's like taken right out of the Bible. It's a short story. It's got all the components of a short story. Even if you switch the names up, it'd be an interesting story. Even if it was a story that was in contemporary USA, it would be an incredibly interesting story and a really dramatic and exciting story. It's a story about faith. It's a story about honor. It's a story about loyalty. It's a story that has intrigue in it. It's a story of jealousy. It's a, it's a story of all kinds of things. But you know, in the midst of all that story, what it's really a story about is how God rules and reigns and controls and governs the circumstances in our life. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? If you believe it, why are you so worried about the things that are happening? Don't worry. You're not in control. You never have been in control. But God is in control, and he's working out his will in our lives. Well, Daniel in the lion's den. How many have ever felt like you've been in the lion's den? <laughs> yeah, I know. I've been there. I uh, feel like I've been there at least. Well, before we get too uh, much into what I am talking about, we probably should read the chapter. What do you think? Would it be a good idea? Well, let's read the chapter. Turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Daniel chapter 6. I'm going to be reading from what uh, the NIV, I don't know, uh, are we using the NIV or KGD? We'll see. The, we have a variety of translations. You know, we use the NIV in Korea a lot because we have many different languages in the meeting. And, you know, much like we do today, here we have many different languages, but we have many different languages in the meeting. And the 
but mo- there's a common language that kind of unites us, and that's the English language. But sometimes the King James is a little bit archaic. You know, I don't say there's anything wrong with it. I love the King James Version. But sometimes it's difficult to understand, especially if your heart language is another language. And the King James can seem a little intimidating and foreign. So we use the NIV over there. And uh, I'll, I'll read from that today. So Daniel chapter 6, do you have your Bibles? All right, let's begin reading. It pleased Darius, or Darius. How do you like to pronounce that, my brothers? Darius or Darius? Darius, okay. All right, it pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. So the administrators and the satraps went as a group to the king and said, O King Darius, live forever. Oh, how we love you, king. And the royal administrators, the prefects, the satraps, the advisors and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or man during the next 30 days, except you, O king, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, O king, issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the laws of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. So King Darius put the decree in writing. Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows were open towards Jerusalem, three times a day giving thanks to his God, uh, just as he had done before. Uh, Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. Did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days, anyone who prays to any god or man except to you, O king, would be thrown into the lion's den? The king answered, the decree stands in accordance with the laws of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. Then they said to the king, Daniel who is one of the exiles from Judah, he pays no attention to you, O king, or to the decree you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. Then the men went as a group to the king and said to him, Remember, O king, that according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, no decree or edict that the king issues can ever be changed. So the king gave the order and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, may your God whom you serve continually rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of his nobles so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating and without any entertainment being brought to him and he could not sleep. 
At the first light of dawn, the king got up and he hurried over to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice. Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to rescue you from the lions? And Daniel answered, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight. Nor have I ever done any wrong before you, O king. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him. Because he had trusted in his God. At the king's command, the men who had falsely accused Daniel were brought in and thrown into the lion's den along with their wives and children. And before they even reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. Then King Darius, or Darius, wrote to all the peoples, nations, and men of every language throughout the land, May you prosper greatly. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in heavens and on earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. And may God add his blessing to the reading of his word. That's quite a story, isn't it? Here's a man who incidentally his name, does anybody know what it means? God is my judge. Judge, yeah. God is my judge. So he, he can stand before the king and he says, I have done nothing wrong before, before my God or before you. God is my judge. Do you know that God is all of our judges? He is the judge of all of us, is he not? One day we will appear before a God, not uh, the great uh, white throne judgment for those of us who have trusted in the Lord Jesus, but we will appear before what? We'll appear before the Lord Jesus, before the Bema seat, right? We're going to appear before Christ Jesus and we're going to give an account, aren't we? We're going to have a judgment. We're going to, and I don't mean judgment in the sense of condemnation here, I mean judgment in the sense of evaluation. We are all going to be evaluated. Yes? Are you with me? Do you believe me? I hope it moves you to understand that you cannot sit complacently by as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, enter into eternity and expect to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant, if you haven't done anything. It's important for us to do. Not for salvation, but because of salvation. Yes? Are you with me? Do you believe me? Yes? Yes. Oh, good. I'm glad. You had me scared there for a minute. Because, you know, each and every one of us, we will give an account one day. Those who have believed in the Lord Jesus will appear before Him and will give Him an account. And those who have rejected the Lord Jesus, they are going to stand before the great white throne and they are going to have to give an account. Oh, do you want to stand before that great white throne and try to give an account of your actions here on earth? I hope you say no. Because there's not one of you here who would pass that test. All the things that you have ever done, written in a book, 
You don't want to appear before God. He knows each and everything. He knows every detail of your life. Every sin committed, even though you hid it well, He knows it. Christ Jesus, you see, He makes a way for you and I to escape judgment. It's judgment that we deserve, but He made a way for us to escape judgment. Do you know, in our story today, Daniel escaped the lion's den, didn't he? Why? Why did Daniel escape the lion's den? Because he was found what? Faithful. He didn't do anything wrong before the king. But you and I, mm, I don't know about that lion's den. Be a tricky situation for me, I can tell you that. But Daniel was able. Well, anyways, we want to talk a little bit about the short story here, if you will. And we want to look at it in a sense. This is the obligatory picture that must accompany every presentation that is done about Daniel in the lion's den. Must be a picture. Because when I was a little kid and I learned about Daniel in the lion's den, there was a picture. And I kept that picture in my mind. And I was thinking to myself, I wouldn't want to face all those lions. What is the thing about lions? You know, lions have something called instinct, right? They have something called instinct. And you know, they act only on instinct, don't they? They, they, It's not like they have this thought process that goes on. They say, you know, am I feeling hungry? Do I want a little person today to eat? Or would I rather wait for some lamb or some goat? I mean, they don't have anything like that in their mind at all. They're simply instinctive. They simply move at the urge and the impulse of their instincts. You know, men have instincts too, don't they? But do we have to listen and move at the impulse of every instinct that we have, God forbid. But lions, they don't give it a second thought. Some juicy, tender bit of human being pops into their den. Oh, he's a nice guy. I don't think I'll eat him. Oh, they give it no thought whatsoever. Yum, yum, they say. They lick their lips. Because they move at impulse. They move at instinct. They have no sense of this is good, this is bad. They move at instinct. That's all they got. Basic instincts. That's all they have. Human beings, we're calculating. We like to think things through. Well, there was a lot of calculating and thinking going on in our story, wasn't there? There was a little bit of jealousy, wasn't there? Oh, Daniel... You're going to set him over the whole kingdom. Well, what about our place? Where are we going to fit in? You mean I'm going to have to serve that guy they brought in from Jerusalem? I'm going to have to be subordinate to him? Nah, there's got to be a better way. So they began to devise a plan. Have you ever been in a place where people devised a plan to trip you up? It's a horrible feeling, isn't it? It's a horrible feeling. Well, they got, in a sense, in a place where they began to calculate. They weren't moving necessarily on instinct, although it was instinct in one sense, wasn't it? It's an instinct of man to always have more and always have more at the expense of others. That's an instinct of man. There was a person one time who, as I understand it, he had cornered the market on silver. It means basically he controlled all of the silver in the world. He had all of it. 
He controlled all of it. And somebody went to him one day and they said, hey, what's, what, how much silver is it going to take to make you happy? And he said, just a little more. That's the instinct of man, is to never be satisfied. Never be satisfied. Always want a little more. That's a problem with a lot of our marriages, isn't it? We're not really satisfied. We just want a little more. And if we get a little more, what do we want? A little bit more. She's doing all she can, man, to help you out. How much more do you want? Just a little bit more. Good grief, woman. He's doing all he can to meet your needs, your desires, the things you want in life. How much do you want? Just a little more. Heart of man is never satisfied. Always looking for more. Well, those administrators too, they were kind of looking for more too. It, regardless of the fact that they were some of the highest people in the land, do you think they worried about paying the rent? They didn't worry about paying the rent. Do you think they worried about where their next meal was coming from? They didn't worry about that. They didn't worry about any of those things. What they worried about was, there is somebody who's going to have more than me. And so they sought out a way to trip him up. Well, we'll look a little bit more at that as we go on. But I thought we'd just look at the outline here of the story, if we could. Darius the Mede, or Median, who succeeded Belshazzar. You remember the story of Belshazzar, right? That should have been, I think, last, last chapter. Belshazzar, you remember? You remember him? Drinking the wine from the... You remember that? Give me a little shake of the head so I know what's... Yeah, okay. All right, very good. And so Belshazzar, in the kingdom of Babylon, he, uh, having heard of Daniel's extraordinary wisdom and understanding, he constitutes him the chief of three presidents. You notice something that's interesting there? It's not as if Daniel is going about trying to tell everybody how wonderful he is. Hey, look, I got this thing down. I can help you out. I can improve your circumstances, king. It's not, he's not doing it at all. There's, nothing, there's no motivation on Daniel's part to kind of exalt himself. He's not, he's not doing it. This is all going on behind the scenes. This is God orchestrating those circumstances. What is it God says about humility? If we humble ourselves, God will what? Exalt us. When? In due time. But if you exalt yourself, what will happen? God will humble you almost immediately. <laughs> so <laughs> be careful. Well, Darius the Mede. Because of Daniel's extraordinary wisdom, he wanted to set him over the whole empire. And in a sense, this began the whole, uh, the whole thing. This began Because the king had recognized one person as being exceptional, the others began to be jealous. And so they began to start to plot and to scheme. So this partiality of the king towards the stranger, and remember, he was a foreigner. He wasn't, one of the, he wasn't on the in crowd, so to speak. He wasn't one of, the, one of the guys who had come up the chain, so to speak. He was one of those guys who was brought in from outside. Happens sometimes, right? Corporations, they bring in somebody from the outside, and all of a sudden, you know, oh, I've been here for 13 years. He's only been here two months and already. He's got a corner office. And he's, uh, I don't know if that's ever happened to any of you. Jealousy, you know? It's an interesting thing. But anyways, this partiality, towards this Jewish, this person from the Jewish extraction, and who had been carried captive uh, into uh, Chaldea, he raised up a lot of enemies because the king said, I like this guy. He began to 
that began to cause these others around him to become jealous and to start to work out a plan. And the plan succeeded, didn't it? They, they, they kind of got it going to where the king actually ended up getting tripped up into a silly, silly thing because of his own what? His own begins with a P. Because of his own, the king, he was not humble, he was proud. And you know what's funny? You know, the king liked Daniel, didn't he? So he didn't want to do anything to trip up Daniel. And so if these guys had said, hey, we want to come and we want you to create this law that's going to trip up Daniel, the king would have said, no way. Daniel's my boy. It ain't happening. But because they use subtlety and they, and they found his Achilles heel, which is the Achilles heel of many people, isn't it? Pride. How many of the kings of Babylon were actually ended up being very proud and because of their pride, they ended up suffering calamity? The, the book is interesting. It's, it's all awful. Every one of those kings, something about them, right? Instead of them being elevated to this, this great position and them realizing in and of themselves there's nothing that's intuitively uh, uh, valuable about me, but it is God who has put me in this place. They weren't. It was all about them. And you remember even that story of Nebuchadnezzar. He looked out at his kingdom. He said, look at these things that I have done. You remember what happened to him? Hmm? Talk about a beast. Talk about a man that was living only with instinct and moving only according to impulse and instinct. Can you imagine a king all of a sudden now crawling around on the ground and eating grass because of his pride? Look at what I've done. Sometimes I feel that way after painting a room or something. <laughs> wow! But there was something a little different. It's okay to take pride in one's work. It's okay, in a sense, to say, this is a job that is well done. No problem in that. But when you get to a place where you think, because of your great wisdom, you are in control of how the, how the planets in the sky... Spin. Bad day for you, bud. Bad day for you. So... Darius, after he learned that these guys had tripped him up, had found his Achilles heel and had worked on his Achilles heel and tripped him up to where he made this decree that ultimately he was going to be the instrument by which uh, their, their, uh, the, the, the person who they were jealous against, he was going to be the one that was going to remove him. Can you imagine how he felt? How foolish he must have felt. I would have felt foolish. How could I have been so foolish? But you know, the king, after he realized that, he kind of got himself in a position where later on he was able to make some correction, wasn't he? He was able to bring about some resolution because there was, he had made a mistake. And so now he was going to try to rectify that mistake. 
you know, it's not necessarily, when we talk about repentance, it's not necessarily what you and I might think of as repentance, but it was, in fact, an act of repentance. He was remorseful because he had done something foolish and stupid, and so he, in effect, tried to fix it, in a sense. He turned around. So instead of being the one who was, who was uh, eliminating Daniel, he rescued Daniel, in a sense. He pulled him from the lion's den, and those who attacked him, he sent to the lion's den. And that, you know, you and I might not think of that as repentance necessarily, but that was an act of a change of mind or an act of trying to make right for what was wrong. Repentance is an interesting thing, isn't it? How many times must you repent? Is it once or twice? How many times must you repent? I find myself leading to repent on a very frequent basis. You see, I'm flawed. I got problems. I don't know about you. I got problems. I got a temper. Any of you guys have tempers? Sisters? Sisters, you have a temper? I know you're always so mild-mannered and so genteel. But we got problems, don't we, as people? And so because we have problems as people, we're in a need to repent continuously. I would like to... Turn your attention, if you would, for a moment in your own minds. You don't have to turn to your Bibles there, but there's, there's, a, there's a chapter in 1 John. Matter of fact, it's the first chapter of 1 John. And there's a verse, verse 9. And that tells us all we need to know about ourselves. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know, sometimes there's a mistaken idea that because at one point we came to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus that we don't need to continuously repent or to be forgiven. Because many people say, well, my sins were forgiven, my past, present, and future sins were forgiven. Salvation, you know, is not just uh, one-dimensional. You know, we, 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 we know the, 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 the three P's that are associated with salvation. Who, know, who knows one of the P's? that are associated with our salvation. Who knows one of the P's? There's three P's, right? doesn't matter what order. Anybody? Penalty! The penalty of sin! The moment we believe in the Lord Jesus, the moment we come to Him for forgiveness, the moment we come to Him for new life in Christ, the moment we do that, He saves us from the penalty. What's the penalty? Death! What's death? Cessation of breathing. Mind doesn't think anymore. Is that death? What's death? Separation from God, the source of life. You know, people talk about eternal life. You know, and I want to talk about eternal life because eternal life is wonderful. But there's a, there, there is the, and the, what is it, the anti part of eternal life. What is it called? Eternal death. Eternal separation from God. Do you know, the penalty is only one dimension of our salvation, one aspect of our salvation. What's the other P? I know this is kind of elementary, and I know you guys are so sophisticated, and you're so far above that, but please, work with me today. What's the other P? Power. Power. The power of sin. Does sin have any power? Does it have any power over you? Yeah, unfortunately. I wish it didn't, but it does. 
But you know, that's a part of the process, isn't it, right? After we're saved, right, God has taken the penalty of our sins away from us. And now we're still subject, unfortunately, to the power because there's something that's in our flesh. And so this is a process. We move through it. We move from the penalty, and now God is sanctifying us, setting us apart. He's moving us away from the power. But it, it doesn't happen overnight, does it? It's a process, isn't it? We're set apart, that's true, but now it's the process. And now, just the last P. There's the penalty, the power, and one day he's going to save us from the very Presence of sin. When's that going to happen? <laughs> Jamil says. <laughs> Which is interesting, you know, because in the Philippines, when people point, they don't use their fingers to point. You know what they use? Their mouths. <laughs> Who did that? Where are you going? And I never noticed it before, and I, I, I see sometimes my wife doing it. I'm like, wait, what's it? you got a twitch. What's going on? But you know, one day he's going to save us from the very presence of sin. And that day is going to be when we are with him. But right now, we're in the midst of it. Sin in front of you. Sin behind you. Sin on the right. Sin on the left. Go to the grocery store one time and look at the magazine rack. My goodness. Get on the bus and listen to how people talk. My goodness. Turn on the news and look at what happened. My goodness, it's all around you. It's amazing, isn't it? We live in a very, very dark world. Did somebody read that verse today or was it my imagination? Having been delivered from the, uh, the, the kingdom of darkness and translated into the kingdom of his dear beloved son, Colossians 1. Oh, it was a kid's memory verse, right? Wonderful. But even though we're translated in the kingdom of his dear beloved son, we're still... In this world. Our Lord Jesus, he prayed that prayer, didn't he? Pray not that you take them out of this world, but that you keep them from the evil one. Oh. That's his work right now, right? He's keeping us. I don't know about you, but if you were left up to your own, would you be able to appear before his glory spotless, blameless, without fault? Impossible. Impossible. Another Spanish word I might have picked up along the way. I really did that verse. I didn't do it good justice, did I? <laughs> but for all of sin to come short of the glory of God, I thought it was a good one to learn in Spanish. Because, you know, Spanish-speaking people are sinners too, right? Yes? See? <laughs> and those who speak Malayalam and those who speak Tamil and those who speak Korean and Chinese and those who speak German and those who speak English and those who speak every language under the sun they are all sinners hell-bent hell-deserving and I want to tell you where I heard that phrase I heard that phrase from Brother Don Gustafson I want to tell you what an example that brother was to me when I walked through those doors for the first time and I saw him and his wife sitting, and he would stand. I, I want to tell you, I, I looked over one day, and I could hear sort of somebody struggling to stand, and so I looked over, and there he was struggling to stand, and his wife put her hand on his behind and 
help them stand. Oh, my sisters, are you helping your husband stand? Help him stand. He's so weak. He needs help. Help him stand. Anyways, I kind of got off track, didn't I? You know, Darius, although he was displeased with himself and although he tried to uh, fix or repair uh, what was done, he still, he still uh, wasn't able to completely undo the damage that he had done. You know, I thought about maybe talking about the number of kings that Daniel uh, was present for, but I don't know. We, we don't have a whole lot of time. We're already at 10 minutes after 12, and I don't know what your normal quit time is, but it's 12 o'clock? Okay. All right. 12.15. Okay. Um, okay. 12.15. Uh, when I was in Korea, you know, I... I share with uh, some of them some of our little idiosyncrasies back here in the United States. And typically, you know, uh, in Korea, the, the meetings are um, about an hour. They give the speaker about an hour. And then you have like maybe a five or ten minute break, and then he comes back for another hour. And so at the end of a session in Korea, uh, a brother who's been preaching can be pretty tired at the end of it. So... Uh, I remember one time I, I asked them, I said, how much time do I have? And they told me, as much time as you need. And I said, you know, in the United States, when you ask somebody how much time you have, and they say, normally, take all the time you want, but we leave at 12. <laughs> you know, <laughs> They're a little bit more polite over there. They don't leave. But uh, later on, they might put a word in your ear if you go too long. But anyways, let me just quickly go through this then. Uh, I had thought that I would uh, just bring this out in this way, that in, in, this, in this story, there is uh, components of the story. There's an introduction or an exposition, right? There's a beginning. And that beginning is, is uh, verses 1 through 3. And it kind of introduces you to the things that are going on there. And then, you know, there's this thing called uh, the conflict, right? They introduce us to the conflict. That would be verses 4 through 5. And then there's this other thing called rising action. All these things that are taking place that are bringing us to, a, to what is called the climax. This is the peak of the story. This is where you're sitting on the edge of your seat. This is where you don't know whether to die. Now, you've read the story several times, and you knew that Daniel was saved, so maybe you thought, well, it's not that exciting. But every time you read it, you should be thinking to yourself, my goodness, is Daniel going to make it? Or is Daniel... Because if you don't read it with enthusiasm like that and you're talking to your sons or your daughters or your neighbors about the story of Daniel and the lion's den, well, they're going to get the idea that it's not that exciting. Don't become bored with the story. It's a great story. Get at the edge of your seat. How is God going to deliver Daniel? I know he's going to do it, but how is he going to do it? Well, you know, after that, there's something called the falling action. And then we realize that Daniel is saved, right? And then, you know, there's the resolution, Right? And then after we turn, we close our Bible after reading the story, our hearts are like, bop, 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 okay. now we can kind of calm down a little bit. But you know, this is sort of like a little bit of a, a way to 
understand how that story is so compelling to us. It's broken down into components. It's made so we can understand it. It's made so we can take it and own it. And then we can share it with others. Because we can think about the way it's broken down, the way it's introduced to us. And sometimes you can do the same thing as you're sharing the gospel. You can introduce the gospel to somebody. You can kind of set the stage for it. And then what you can do is you can kind of establish the conflict. Because there's a conflict in the gospel, isn't there? Right? There's something that's going on. There's, there's a reason why it's called the good news is because there's a problem, right? If there's good news, what else is there? Bad news, right? And so you got the bad news, you got the good news, and so you way to introduce it, and you can bring them right to the point. What's it going to be? Are you going to leave this world having rejected the Lord Jesus and stand your ground at the great white, white throne judgment and try to defend yourself Against God, or are you going to run to He who is able to save you? You know, you can break it down. You can put it into its smaller components so that those who are listening to it can own it. They can take it. They can hear it. And they can respond to it. Well, okay. Uh, I've just finally gotten past the introduction to our story today. And uh, I've got three minutes, and I'm going to try to use them most effectively. Some of the learning objectives we want to take home with us today, the things that I want you to take home from this lesson today, are the importance of being humble. Daniel was humble. Let us be humble like Daniel was. Let us be true to ourselves. Daniel didn't have any sort of, uh, you know, hidden agenda. He was true to himself, in a sense. He knew what his purpose was. And to be true to God. You know, in our relationship with God, we have what is called you know, the, the vertical and the horizontal relationship. You know, even the Lord Jesus, we read about him. He went home and he grew in wisdom and found favor with both what? God and men. You see, that, that's important. Because I've known people who told me about their wonderful relationship with God and all of their peers and all of their friends can't stand them. That's a problem. Because if nobody likes you, you've got a problem. If nobody wants to hear what you've got to say, you've got a problem. Now, I'm not talking about those who are violent against the gospel. I'm talking about peers, people you've got to work with at work. If you are so, so, what do you would call it, annoying that nobody wants to talk to you, you've got a problem. People reject the gospel all the time. People reject the gospel for all of the reasons that you understand that they reject the gospel. But if they can't stand the sight of you, there's something wrong and you need to ask God to help you. Find out what it is. You know, we don't need to be belligerent with people. We don't need to intentionally go and aggravate people. Just share the word of God. And those who are aggravated with the word of God, well, let them be aggravated. But don't do things that intentionally gin up adversity to yourself. Be true to yourself and to God. Be consistent. You know, one of the most important things for you and I as believers is to be consistent. We must be consistent. Those of you who come on Sundays, come on Wednesday. Don't, don't put Wednesday away as, well, we don't really break bread. We really, you know, I mean, yeah, Wednesday's just kind of one of... Wednesday is important. What are you here to do on Wednesday? Well, I don't really get anything out of Wednesday. Well, what are you giving? You're not prepared. You come running in. Oh, I sit down. I'm bored. Think about this. 
When you meet in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, when you are assembling in his name, there are those who are interested, who are seated in the heavenlies. Come see, come see. Wednesday, should I go? Shouldn't I go? Be here. Because this is where you are going to make petitions to the Most High. Corporately, and as a body, collectively, together, you're going to come in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and you're going to petition Him for things. You're going to ask for the salvation of souls. Yes or no? I, I think that's the purpose of it. You're going to ask Him to help those who are sick. And maybe you're healthy and so you never think you'll be sick and so you don't think it's important to come and pray for the sick because I'm 23 and I'm healthy and I don't need to. But one day you're going to be 58 like me and you're going to feel yourself sick. And you're going to want to know that people are praying for you and that they love you and that they care for you. Right? Right? Don't miss Wednesday nights. Very important. You know, sometimes on Wednesday night, the only people at the meeting are me and Yoli. Breaks our hearts. And they'll tell me on Sunday, oh, you can't believe, ah, the thing that happened on Wednesday night. (laughs) It was was crazy. I got this call. I hadn't seen this guy in three years. And he said, come on, let's have a cup of coffee. And I thought, well, yeah, I don't want to miss this opportunity. What testimony did he just give that guy? about the importance of assembling in the name of the Lord Jesus to meet Him, the one who rules in heaven and earth. Eh, not that important. Be here on Wednesday nights. Very good for you. Be consistent. Do you know, if Daniel... Uh, I'm out of time. All right. If Daniel had never been consistent and hadn't paid, prayed three times a day, and all of a sudden when he heard the edict, he said, you know what? They can't keep me from praying. I'm going to go and pray. That's ridiculous. But I know people like that. I know somebody who was part of the uh, U.S. Army band, and he came to me and he said, I'm going to have to protest about this because they're sending me down to pray for the LGBTQ thing, and you know I don't have to play my musical instrument for them, and I'm going to protest against this. Hey, you're the one that signed up on the dotted line and said you do what they ask you to do. You like the paycheck? You like the benefits? You like what they give you? And do what they say. If you don't, give it up. But be consistent. You know? Anyways, and Daniel was loyal, wasn't he? Even to a Gentile king, Daniel was loyal. And the reason he was loyal was because he knew that God placed him there for a purpose. Some of you guys having trouble at work? God has placed you there for a purpose. Be kind. Be sincere. Be gentle. Be ready to give an answer of the hope that you have. And I hope that each and every one of you here have that hope. But I know, I know, as sure as the sky is blue, I know as sure as it rains a lot in South Florida, that there are some sitting here who have not yet truly and sincerely given their lives to Christ. I know it's true. It breaks my heart to know it. Because you're going along thinking, as long as I act like I do, act like I believe, act like... Then it's okay. It's not okay. You're never going to know why a brother is saying amen. 
You're never going to know why somebody else has got tears streaming down their face. You're never going to know why they are responding to the Spirit's movement the way they're doing if you don't know the Lord Jesus. You're just simply not going to know. You're like a blind man. You're like, what did our brother talk about? The skull. You're like an empty skull. You've got nothing inside. You've got no eyes. You've got no ears. You've got nothing. All of it's gone. And the sad part about it is you think you're okay. <laughs> you're not okay. You've got problems. If you don't know the Lord Jesus, you've got problems. You know, having a head full of the gospel and a heart full of this world is probably the worst place in the world to be. Anyways, I'm at the end of my time. I just want to say one more time how much uh, Yoli and I appreciate your prayerful support. Uh, Malcolm said earlier that uh, we would give a little bit of a report on the work we're doing in Korea this evening. I I will do that. Um, I'm not able. uh, I may even attempt to finish up part of what we are doing here today. Uh, We'll see see how the Lord leads in that. but let's just go ahead now and uh, close in prayer. And could I ask somebody to, to stand and with uh, a strong, hearty voice give God thanks for the wondrous salvation he's afforded to us through the Lord Jesus. And to pray for those who might be sitting here right now having never believed on him and trusted in him. Could I have a brother do that? Please.